This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we talk about an epic game five in the Minto Cup. Christian Del Bianco was full value earning MVP. Sean Swanson will stop by to give us an update on his health. We'll talk about MLO Commissioner David Gross's comments. We'll cover the MSL and WLA finals, maybe even have time for something a little glorious. All that and more on OTCB. I am an Welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner. Thanks for stopping by. If you want to get a hold of me here at the show, you can. Pretty simple, two easy ways. You can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. There's an E on the end of cross. It is a lacrosse pun. Um, well, wow. If you weren't at the Langley Events Center last night, I truly, truly hope that you were by a computer or near somebody who knew somebody that was by a computer and were getting updates. Because if you missed it, you missed one of the best lacrosse games I've ever seen. And funny enough, as I utter those words, I go back and I think of how many times I've said that this summer. Um, from Canada-US in the gold medal game of the U19s, uh, from the MLL final, the NLL final, uh, some of the games we've seen in the WLA this year, and then this game. And I thought the overtime winner of Delta beating Coquitlam in the BC Championships was an incredible game. This one may have topped it. Christian Del Bianco, the MVP of the 2016 Minto Cup, will join us in a few minutes. Sean Swanson uh, of the Nanaimo Senior B Timmerman. Uh, we all know his story. Uh, I've been able to hook up with him finally. Uh, we're going to have him on the show and get you an update as well on his health status and everything that's going on in his battle to recovery from that vicious and gruesome and unfortunate hit from behind head first in the board. So we'll talk to Swanee and Christian Del Bianco in a minute. There's so much going on in the lacrosse world. Uh, some good, some not so good. Some other stuff really makes you scratch your head and bang it off the wall. And we're going to get to many of those things. Um, but let's just take you back to last night in what was an incredible lacrosse game that went back and forth, and it hung in the balance for pretty much the entire 70 minutes of lacrosse. There was only one goal scored in the first period. Coquitlam had a 1-0 lead. Second period was pretty even. Orangeville started to claw their way back. But both goaltenders, Christian Del Bianco and Nathan Clayton, were standing on their heads. Matching each other save for save. Just like they've done all series long. Five games, five days, and we still got an incredible final. I was very skeptical of them going this route for the Minto Cup. Orangeville had to play uh, nine games in ten nights. 
they played five games of the final in five days. I was really worried that by the time we got to this game, that there wasn't going to be much left in the tank. Well, that's what you get for doubting youthful legs. It was incredible. And as the third period wound down and we were tied with six minutes left, I was like, this is the time where heroes step up and legends are made. And Coquitlam thought they had it, only to have Orangeville tie it with like 90 seconds left. And then somehow Christian Del Bianco had an opportunity to win it at the end of regulation. We're going to ask him about that. But it was so close. As Orangeville came down with last possession, they had timeout. They had the ball. They wanted that last shot. They got almost the last shot. Down to 10 seconds now as Hogarth with it. Feeds wide. Ball bobble. Got it back. Van Galen shoots. Del Bianco the save. He's got time to shoot for the empty net. It's going to go. Here it is. Oh, my goodness. Del Bianco had a bid at the empty net. It was online, but bounced over top of the crossbar at the buzzer. We're going to overtime in game five. Jake Elliott and Sean Springett with the perfect call in that situation. Uh, the excitement that they showed was pretty much the same level of excitement, fear, anticipation, and unknowingness of as that ball was going towards that empty net. And if that had gone in, I, I truly believe that the internet would have broken. And that doesn't happen often in the lacrosse world that we do something or somebody does something that breaks the internet. Uh, if Christian Del Bianco would have scored that goal, um, it would have capped off one of the greatest performances uh, in Minto history. He made 59 saves over the 70 minutes as Orangeville just pelted him with shot after shot after shot. And then to have that opportunity to win it as a goaltender and just he literally it dropped like six inches over top of the crossbar. That's how close he was to ending it in regulation. But alas, we have overtime. And Derek Downs scores the go-ahead goal for Coquitlam as they don't play sudden death in the first 10 minutes. And now Coquitlam has the lead again. Late in the ballgame. Everything hangs in the balance. Again, the Northmen have last possession, a chance to win the game, and there's 10 seconds left. Orangeville comes up with it. Got a man up ahead. Timmy brings in the pass. He'll load and shoot, and he ripped it wide. Straight past the loose ball. He'll throw it down the floor. Three seconds to go. Two, one. The Amex win the Minto Cup in 2016. They win it. They win it. It's 6-5, the final in overtime. What a game. What a game. Well deserved, Adnox. Northman, hold your heads up high. A hell of a series. Well done. A great mental cup all the way through. Through the round robin. History made. Into the final. All the way to overtime in the deciding game. Christian Del Bianco with a game saver in overtime. The Amex hang on for the championship, and they are your 2016 Minto Cup champs.
in a five-game thrilling series that ends in overtime. 6-5, your final. Uh, please forgive my good buddy Jake Elliott if he was a little excited and emotional over that call. He is a former junior adnac. He did happen to lose to the Northman Inamento Cup back in, I think, 93. Um, so redemption was sweet for him in that moment. So um, he's allowed to be a little overzealous. I was that way when the Victoria Shamrocks won the Man Cup last year. You kind of get caught up in these things. Uh, but Jake and Springer did an incredible job calling the whole Minto Cup. Um, and then especially that game just because it was, you know, the intensity of that game five was incredible. And you can understand them being caught up in the moment. And I'm fine with it because that's just how insane that game was. Uh, you heard Jake Elliott mention the save that Christian Del Bianco made on Thomas Hogarth late in that game. Hogarth, who had already scored a pair right on top on CDB, and he just makes this miraculous glove save to seal the win for Coquitlam and just put an exclamation point uh, not only on his game or the Minto Cup, but his entire year. Remember, this is a kid that didn't lose a single game in regular season play. He hasn't lost a game in BCJ regular play in three years. His first loss with NBC in the Junior League came in Game 1 of the BC Finals. His second loss was Game 3 of the BC Finals. Now, yes, I know there were some of you who will say, well, he lost in the Minto last year. I get it. We're talking just BC here. Let's not think big picture. Let's just take it into perspective and look at it for what it is. He's lost... Two games in BC. That's incredible. And he was rewarded with the MVP. And he joins us now on the show. Live from Coquitlam, Christian Del Bianco. First question, uh, my friend, have you had any sleep? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Three hours, <laughs> two hours. <laughs> yeah, it's all a bit of a blur still, I imagine. Yeah. What, uh... As those final seconds were ticking down and Connor Stroop picked up that ball and threw it to length of the floor, what was the first thought that went through your head? I don't know. I just kind of threw everything, and I think everybody <laughs> just lost their mind. Were you uh, trying to avoid being on the bottom of the dog pile? I saw you. Yeah, I definitely. Away. I was definitely trying to get around the side, but couldn't avoid it. Ended up at the bottom beside John Hossess. It's not a bad spot to be knowing what just yeah. happened, though, right? Yeah, definitely not. Not the worst thing. It's Wasn't not the worst thing. Um, it was a remarkable season for you guys, uh, and you specifically. Obviously, winning the BC Championships would have been nice to cap off the year, but how special was this year for you? I mean, obviously, winning the Minto is something that's a really big deal, especially considering that a lot of us, it was for some of our, our second, our third, mm-hmm. even some guys, it was their fifth Minto, so... I think that's really what made it special, especially for those fifth-year guys, too. Yeah, it was, it was a nice it was, little send-off. Absolutely. It was nice to see Tyler Pace get his hands on the cup, even though he dropped it 10 yeah. seconds after lifting yeah, it. I think but... they didn't really give him a warning on <laughs> no. the two-piece. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that just that's just all part of the mystique of, of what happened this past week. You know, you guys played uh, eight games in, in 10 nights. It was just an incredible whirlwind experience. Yeah. But this series with Orangeville was everything lacrosse fans wanted it to be. From a goaltender standpoint, how was it for you? I think it was obviously like 
whenever you get a chance to play in that tight of games with that big of a outcome. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, both teams are obviously battling really hard, and I think it's just exciting. You know, I mean, like, I think something we talked about in our room is, like, if you had any chance to, like, play in a game five at the start of the year for the Minto Cup, like, there's not a single person on either team that would have said no. Yeah. Your 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 battles with Nathan Clayton were were remarkable and something that this man cup will be remembered. Um, how as a goaltender would you re, you rate his performance in this Minto? I think obviously he was played unreal and I think he gave his team a chance to win every game and I think that's all you could ask for from a goaltender. Yeah, um, let's talk about two things specifically. Uh, the shot at the end of regulation. Did you think it was going in? I was hoping it was going in. I didn't think it was going in. Uh, I just kind of threw a Hail Mary. Do you understand how big the internet would have blown up if that would have gone in? Do you understand like how big that would have been? Trust me, my teammates have been bugging me about it for the last (laughs) little bit. I bet. Just like, why did you make us go to overtime kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Derek Downs didn't mind, though. No, that's true. Yeah, how big of a goal was that for him? That was massive. uh, He's actually one of my roommates, so it was nice to see him succeed. Uh, and then the other thing is the save on Thomas Hogarth at the end. He'd scored two on you earlier in the game, and then you're able to get your right glove on it. Uh, what do you remember from that like split-second reaction? I don't really remember it. All I remember is I was definitely not in the greatest position. I yeah. made it a little harder than it needed to be. I've watched you play for the last, you know, four or five years, starting, you know, in midget and intermediate, and you played double last year playing both junior A and intermediate A. Your skills, everyone just talks about it, but where does where does it come from? When did you know as a young kid that, you know, maybe you were onto something as a goaltender? I mean, I don't think I ever knew that I was onto something. Like, all I really knew is, especially with being in lacrosse town, like Coquit Limits, Minto Cups are like what you grew up dreaming of, like mm-hmm. from when you're peewee to midget to when you're inner and you're getting closer. And then obviously when, when you get to junior, it's the ultimate goal. Were you at the 2010 Minto Cup in Coquitlam? I was there, but that's I was a ball boy. A ball boy, yeah. yeah. Um, how did that experience uh, of being around that group, you know, guys like uh, Berg and Matthews and Church and Dinsdale and Maddie Beers. How did that experience prepare you for this this week? I mean, obviously, I don't think it prepared you. I think it just, I think it was motivation. You know, I mean, especially for anybody that was at that 20 Minto Cup, the atmosphere and how big it was for our city. I think everybody it just kind of made you realize like how big of a deal and how cool it is to win a Minto Cup. Would you have liked? for the mental to have been played in Coquitlam so you could have won it on your home floor? I don't think there's a person who would not say that, I think. Yeah. Obviously, it would have been a nice home floor advantage, but at the end of the day, it all worked itself out, so I don't think we're complaining too much. No, yeah, exactly. How cool is it to hear, you know, all those fans chanting C Del B, uh, even when you guys were on offense, just spurring you on and, and really, you know, bigging up your performances all tournament long? Obviously, it was nice, especially we had our alumni in the yeah. corner in this last game, and I think that was nice for our own, for everyone that got us fired up an extra little bit, which clearly made the difference. Absolutely. Uh, you know, your your coaching staff of Coiler and Reed and Sorensen have, have done an incredible job with you guys. How much did they prepare you guys for this one game? I think, honestly, like throughout the year, it was just everything was prepared to play 
every shift like it's your last shift. Like you can't focus on the past and you can't get all worked up about the future. It's just what's next. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that was huge for us because I think that way we almost didn't sense the pressure. We just yeah. played the same way no matter what. didn't matter if we were up three or down three. Uh, it's, it's crazy to think that uh, you got you still have two years left of junior. Uh, there, there's, you know, some people trying to, you know, change the age groups of junior, let guys advance. Are you happy still being a junior and, and doing your time with the National Lacrosse League, or do you think maybe in a year or two, if you were ready to make the jump to the senior loop, that you would? I think I would definitely be staying in junior. I think, yeah. I think you only get to play so many years of junior, and I think it wouldn't be wise to give them up. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's an incredible answer. And, and I think one of the answers that people kind of miss out on is the fact that you only get so many years. And there are some special people like yourself and like Pace and, and Matt Brown, when I was playing, that can go to numerous Minto Cups. Pace went to five. Brownie went to six. Is that something that, you know, you strive for is, is winning a few more and continually keeping this Coquitlam Adnax team at the forefront of national supremacy? I mean, I think that's definitely something that we're lucky to have in Coquitlam is every year we are put into a position where we have a chance to contend. Mm -hmm. And I think that starts from our management and coaching. And I think it's big that we don't take advantage of that. Like it's, we're beyond blessed to have that opportunity every year. Uh, Before we let you go, uh, how much did your time in Calgary um, sort of help you grow uh, over the winter? I think mentally it helped me grow a lot and just, not the respect for the game, just the approach to the game, how every little advantage you can get is huge through film and through studying and just not even learning from your own film, learning from film on other guys and mm-hmm. seeing what works and doesn't work. Were Were you ever a, a film guy or is that something that was kind of new to you? I was always a big watching guy. Like I love yeah. to go watch lacrosse, but never really watched film on myself until this past season. Who, who's helped you with that? Are, are you speaking with other goalies, or, or is that just something you're doing on your own? Uh, it's just something we do on our own. We Obviously, we have the crossover set up nowadays, which is mm-hmm. really big. And I think, honestly, as a team, we watched film a lot this year. So I think that was just uh, – I think it helped a lot. You have some time off now uh, before camp starts. So what's next for Christian Del Bianco and, and the rest of the summer? Just enjoying the moment, I'm imagining? Yeah, um, have a big uh, Beer Hunters Cup uh, yeah. tournament on September 10th. So that's always a good time. And obviously it's going to be a good turnout for that. So Absolutely. I think and maybe a few days at Sonny Smith Box to celebrate with the boys? Yeah, I think definitely in the near future. <laughs> I remember uh, when, you got, when Coquitlam won in 2010, I had – uh, Travis Cornwall on, on the podcast and he was actually at Smith Box and, and the Adnax were having a big party there yeah. so it's just it's that that familiarity and that environment is something that breeds Coquitlam lacrosse and it's something that you talked about is having that you know familiarity and that sense of pride in the uniform in the city and it just goes to show how tight that city is and the Adnax are yeah huge um what do you expect from yourself in Calgary this year? Obviously, Mike Poulin's not there, and, and it's Frankie's job, and, and you're there to be the number two. Are you are you of the mindset that it's not a one-two situation, that it's a chance for you to grab? I mean, obviously, it's let's be honest, it's a one-two situation, but mm-hmm. I think it's my job to go in there and just do my part and work as hard as I can. Well, I won't try to put too much pressure on the future. As you said, you got to think about the now, and, and the now is your Minto Cup champion. How's it sound? 
That sounds perfectly fine with me. <laughs> well, my friend, um, one last thing. Uh, today is your birthday. First of all, no, tomorrow, tomorrow is. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's your birthday, Wednesday. Uh, did you have a couple drinks out of the cup? We won't tell anybody, but I'm sure you uh, Between me and you, yes, I did. Between me and you. Well, my friend, it was an absolute pleasure to watch you play and, and the performance that you put on over the past 10 days. Uh, congratulations. Uh, it's an incredible honor, and you won the MVP, which was a no-brainer. Uh, best of luck in the future, and who knows, there's probably going to be a few more trophies in the future. Thanks for having me. There he is, Christian Del Bianco. C. Del B, as the fans were chanting and banging on the glass, uh, just serenading him in the final seconds of that game. And what a spectacle it was to see all those fans there. And I'm not going to get into, you know, attendance and all that stuff and where the Minto should have been played. You know, of course, every team would have liked to have won it on their home floor, but... The LEC is is the facility that they chose, and we live with it. We're not going to go any further in it. It's not a point of discussion. We have other things to talk about. Um, for Christian Del Bianco, you heard him kind of talk about at the end of the interview there. Now he has to kind of prepare. Uh, the Beer Hunter Cup, if you're wondering, is sort of a, a field lacrosse tournament that they have over on the mainland uh, where everyone's kind of involved. The Beer Hunters are a traveling field lacrosse team that uh, goes to different tournaments, and, and they do a great job, and, and they raise money for uh, some good causes on the mainland. So he'll be playing in that. Christian Del Bianco, if you're not familiar with, uh, actually plays big stick in field lacrosse. Uh, I mean, he's a pretty decent one, too, uh, from what I have been told. Um, but he does have to worry about uh, National Lacrosse League camp. It's still a few months away, but, um, you know, he's obviously going to go in and try and push, frankly, Shiliano for the number one job. But with the way he played all year, his stock has to continually rise. And which brings the question, you know, how long can Calgary sit with him and Frankie in tow? If they do a one-two system and both guys are happy, then great. You know, it's worked with Poulin and Shiliano over the past few years, um, and CDB was the backup. But now with Poulin gone, Christian becomes the number two. Frankie's the number one. And it'll be interesting to see how long they can stick with that because Christian's going to want to be a starting goaltender in National Cross League. Yes, he's only 18. He's 19 tomorrow. So he still has a long way to go. But let me tell you, <laughs> he's ready. Like I would take him as a starter in the National Cross League now. And so Calgary has incredible depth between the pipes and Christian still needs to have some time to mature and grow in the National Cross League but I do believe he's ready and it would be great for him to see some time in the winter I would imagine that he will see a game or two maybe get a couple starts see some minutes here or there but the future is bright for him and if expansion comes um, he might be a guy that's left unprotected I don't see why Calgary would but you never know you know, numbers dictate who you can keep and who you can't. But for Christian Del Bianco, there is an incredibly bright future. Remember, this kid is just a first-year junior. He's still 18 years old, not legally allowed to drink out of the cup. Remember, that secret's between me and him, so don't go saying anything. So we congratulate Christian. We congratulate the Coquitlam Adnax, uh, Pat Coyle, 
Kyle Sorensen, Creighton Reed, uh, Garrett Ungaro, that whole staff, um, the management group, everybody involved in the Adnax Association, congratulations. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say congratulations on an incredible season to the Orangeville Northmen. Uh, the sweep of the Six Nations Arrows was just something that not a lot of pe- people saw coming. Uh, and they came out and they did the East proud. They battled tooth and nail for this entire tournament and are well-deserving of the kudos and the accolades and the congratulations that they will get when they return home today uh, from the West Coast. I know Nick, I know Nick Rose had made the trip out West. Uh, that guy bleeds hornhead black and silver. Um, and you know that alumni group is going to be there to support that those young men when they return home. Um, so congratulations to Northman on an incredible year. Uh, we know you'll be back, uh, but it just happened to be the Adnax year. And finally, for the first time in six years, a Western team has won the Minto. The last team to do it was the Adnax back in 2010. Uh, and it's the first time since 2005 that the Minto Cup ha- and Man Cup have been held by Western teams. Um, we'll see if that streak continues because there's still some lacrosse to be played here in the summer. Uh, the President's Cup is going on right now in Leduc. The St. Albert Miners and Brooklyn Merchants have started off 2-0. and uh, The Native Suns and Langley Warriors have only played one game. Uh, they're both 1-0. and Ganawaki Mohawks are 1-1. Uh, Tainaga Thunderbirds are 0-2. Calgary's 0-2. And Saskatoon is 0-2. Saskatoon uh, playing in their first ever Senior B tournament. So uh, we'll keep you apprised of that. If you want more information, 2016presidentscup.com is the website. You can find out more information there. And we'll try it, as we said, keep you up to date on that as best we can. However, the big boys are working towards the Man Cup. Uh, out east, they are playing game five currently. Peterborough up three games to one in that series as Six Nations extended it by winning game four on their home floor. But they just happen to be in Peterborough tonight where it is extremely hard to win, especially in front of a raucous Memorial Center crowd. Um, A cool little side story. Tracy Koluski, one of his best friends growing up, is a professional wrestler. And he goes by the name of Bobby Roode. And for those of you that don't know, um, about five years ago when Roode was with the uh, wrestling company TNA, they did a storyline where Roode's family and friends were none too pleased with Roode's action as a wrestler, you know, backstabbing his friends and doing some things untoward as wrestling heels do. Well, it turns out that they brought Tracy down to Atlanta for a filming and had him part of the storyline. And Tracy was actually, like, in the ring, and and he's trying to convince Bobby Roode, and next thing you know, Roode, like, grabs him by the throat, pushes him down, starts stomping him in the corner. It's incredible. I'm so jealous of Tracy Klusky, because those that know me know I'm a geek when it comes to wrestling. And... I watch Raw every Monday. I have the WWE Network. I watch all that stuff. Well, Root has now made his way to NXT, which is a sub-franchise of WWE. It's sort of their um, training ground and their sort of development league, as you could call it, I guess. Well, 
the glorious one will be in Peterborough or is in Peterborough and did the opening ceremony face off at the game tonight. And it's just really cool to bring the two worlds together. Lacrosse, wrestling, you know, we're not anything alike, but we kind of are. And I don't know how I can make that comparison. It's just guys who love the industry and guys who love the sport of lacrosse just are different breeds. And that's what I love about lacrosse is that we're just passionate, loyal, fiery, competitive, fierce, willing to throw a punch or two. And in wrestling, they throw a punch or four. And their fans are rabid and they're passionate and they travel all around to watch their favorite wrestlers and they know the songs and everything. It's just, I love it. And so that's the kind of cool side story. Uh, if you go onto YouTube, type in Bobby Roode, best friend, and you'll find the Tracy Klusky highlights. You can also go onto my Twitter page, at Off the Crossbar. I've posted it on there a couple times just because I'm a dork. It's super cool. Um, and Bobby Roode's one of my favorite wrestlers, so it's awesome. Um, I'm super jealous. I wish I was there. And I hope, as I said on Twitter, somebody gives Bobby Roode a glorious bomb because... For those of you confused, that's Bobby Roode's music. It's glorious. It's just that good. Um, so game five between Peterborough and Six Nations is pretty much under the way. By the time you're listening to this, it may be over, and we might have an MSL champion. Out west, well, we've had some dramatics of our own. Um, game three was Sunday, and it was, again a superly awesome lacrosse game. Even if you are a Victoria Shamrocks fan, the loss stings, how they lost stings, but it was entertaining. Victoria up 5-0, up 9-4, up 11-9 with two minutes left. Only to see the Maple Ridge Berards, those pesky Berards, those Berard Street bullies. Somehow. Scored three shorthanded goals, two goals in the last minute and a half to force overtime, and then scored three in overtime to knock off the Shamrocks, 14-11, and take a 2-1 series lead. Game four is tonight, in a few hours. Game five goes tomorrow at the Q Center, and that could be the last one. If Maple Ridge can buck the trend of home teams losing, and they'll have a chance to advance their first ever Man Cup as the Maple Ridge Berards. I talked to the other week. Uh, they were there as the Vancouver Berards. But as the Maple Ridge Berards, nay no, nay no, they've never been past the WLA Finals. I don't think they've ever led in a WLA Final. But here they are, up 2-1, game four on their home floor. You can catch it live on playfullscreen.com. And if they can win that, they will have a chance to knock off the defending champions on their home floor tomorrow night. Can you imagine? Like, I'm a, everyone knows me. Victoria guy, Shamrock guy, former Shamrock. Like, I'm in there, right? I can't even fathom 
thinking about watching Maple Ridge lift the WLA trophy on the Q Center floor. And it could happen. And it could happen tomorrow night. Oh, I don't even want to think about it. But Victoria has put themselves in this spot. Um, not exactly, obviously not on purpose. But they haven't been playing their best lacrosse. They haven't been playing the smartest lacrosse. And Maple Ridge has capitalized when Victoria has given them the open door. And the biggest capitalization was when Tyler Burton got ejected from Game 3. Um, I believe it was Greg Harnett. It was one of the Harnett brothers. Got hit from behind uh, into the boards by Owen Barker. And Barker was going to get a five-minute major. He might have gotten worse. You might have gotten five in a game. However, and I completely understand what Tyler Burton was doing. Burton comes to the defense of his teammate who's now on the ground and grabs Owen Barker and fights Owen Barker. And that was the best trade the Maple Ridge Brards could have made. Because Burton was winning 70-plus percent of his draws. It was like 8-2 to two or 7-3, to three, whatever percentage advantage you want to give him he was winning and dominating at the draws and with him out for the majority of the second half of that game what was like a 70 30 80 20 advantage for victoria quickly went to a 50 50 advantage and that's huge because burton was absolutely dominating clamping to himself running to space victoria would get the possession no matter who scored clamp pull out possession Maple Ridge would one, win one or two here or there. And, you know, the Zach Porter was doing an excellent job on draws. They were throwing Dane Michaud in there to take a few. And they were just mixing it up, throwing different looks at Tyler Burton, who continually was having success. But the moment he was ejected from that game, it started to turn. And Maple Ridge capitalized. As mentioned, they had three shorthanded goals. Uh, they kept on... Pressing Victoria, who just continually makes uncharacteristic mistakes. Many out of the back end, guys just throwing the ball away, turning the ball over at center, not taking care of the ball. And I think I counted maybe three times Victoria made unforced errors and Maple Ridge would go right down and score. And here we are. On the brink of game four, with the Berards up 2-1 and a chance to go up 3-1. As Reese Dutch said, we cannot let that happen. And you can't. Can't come home 3-1 down. So a huge game for tonight in the Western Lacrosse Association. Steve Erickson will have the call. 7.45 p.m. faceoff. You can listen to it live on playfullscreen.com pay-per-view. And then tomorrow night, game 5, I'll have the call. 7.45 from the Q Center again on play full screen via pay-per-view. If necessary, uh, game six will be Friday, game seven on Sunday. And for those of you wondering, the Man Cup starts next week. And I believe it starts on the 9th, if I know my dates off the top of my head, which usually isn't a good thing. And as I just try and check here, click, click, click. Um, 9, 10, so they go Friday, Saturday, Sunday will be the day off, and they'll play 12, 13, 14, 
The 15th will be a day off, and then 16, 17. But we'll get to that next week, when by that time, we'll know who's playing in the Man Cup. Now, to some interesting comments made by MLL Commissioner David Gross earlier today on LAC Sportsnet. Um, as you know, the NLL and MLL don't have the greatest of relationships. And when we've had Nick Zakevich, the commissioner of the NLL here on OTCB, we've asked him, you know, how do we get it so that the players don't have to choose, so that the MLL and NLL don't overlap and both leagues can have the best of the best playing? Well, Travis Elrich of Lack Sportsnet posed some of these questions in an exclusive one-on-one interview with the MLL Commissioner David Gross, and here are two of his comments. The biggest players in the league, Paul Rabel, has voiced the possibility of maybe returning to the National Lacrosse League this year, but he certainly, like many people, has concerns about the overlap in schedule. Is there any talk or is there anything that can be done to maybe eliminate some of the overlap between the NLL and MLL schedules? I don't think so. I, you know, we have different business interests right now. There's not a good guy or bad guy in, in this situation. Uh, you know, if anything, when we talk to TV networks, they keep pushing us, would we start earlier and end a little bit earlier? So, uh, you know, both leagues just have to look out for what their best uh, interest is. Is Along those lines, are there any considerations about trying to not work with the NLL for certain initiatives that not only help try to grow both leagues and fan bases, but just to grow the game in general? Well, I think anytime you want to, you know, you have a partnership with someone, you've got to have trust. And I think we've got to build that first, um, you know, with, with that league uh, before we could do anything with them. Um, okay. Build trust. Move the schedule. TV wants you to move. That league. I, I, I'm at a loss for words. I want to bang my head repeatedly off the wall when I hear comments like this. First of all, and I'm going to try not to get too heated because he has his viewpoint and his opinion and he's entitled to all of that. But the National Lacrosse League has been around for 30 years. And we've pretty much always played at the same time of the year. Winter and spring. Start of the new year, right into spring. And there we've been. Just hanging out, playing around indoors. The National Lacrosse League has been stable and steady and said, this is when we're going to play. Fine. Well, the major lacrosse league has been moving their schedule around trying to find a place for them to fit. And that's fine. You can find a place to fit. But why do you have to overlap? I don't get it. If the National Lacrosse League goes from January until June, six months, why can't the major lacrosse league play July August, September, or the second to last week of June into August, maybe the first week of September. The MLL schedule used to start just after Memorial Weekend. 
Well, now they've moved it later on in the year, I think into early June, so that more of their college kids and the college players could finish schooling or once they get knocked out of the tournament, they can join MLL teams. And somehow it's the National Lacrosse League's fault or problem that their players don't come to the MLL until, you know, six weeks into the season because they have obligations with their NLL clubs. The argument that they have to get away from, you know, playing in football stadiums. Well, hello, the NLL is like the second, sometimes the third tenant in most of the arenas that they play in. I don't get it. And the fact that he thinks that we need to build trust. Hello? Seriously, have a conversation with somebody from the National Lacrosse League, Mr. Gross. Sit down with Nick Sakevich and figure this out. The MLL used to have a rule that said, sorry guys, it's either the MLL or nothing else. Well, they've backed off of that to allow guys play in the summer league. Well, the rumor is that they're going to try and reinstate that law and that guys are going to have to choose. Now, for the pure diehard Americans that play MLL, sure, they might choose to stick with the outdoor game. But I bet you that there's going to be some big-name players that decide not to play MLL anymore and stick strictly with the National Lacrosse League. Bigger crowds, bigger paychecks, bigger upside. And in my opinion, again, we're all entitled to them all, a better product. It's just so weird to hear some of the things that David Gross said in that interview. Moving the schedule into our schedule or the NLL schedule. Why? Why can't there's 12 months in the year? Why can't you find a few months to play in? It's incredible to hear some of the things that he said. The National Lacrosse League has reached out to the MLL, wanting to do business with them, wanting to build a relationship so that we can work together. And the MLL doesn't want anything to do with it. And the fact that he says that league is a slap in the face to everybody involved in the National Lacrosse League. That league? We've been here longer than you have, sir. And I hate to tell you, I have a feeling you're going to lose some players if you do decide to say, hey guys, choose, indoors or outdoors. And that's all I got to say about that. Because it was just insane to hear a man who's supposedly trying to do the best for the sport and yet won't have a conversation and won't try and make a compromise and won't try to come to an agreement so that the best of the best can play the best sport in the world. Mind-blowing. Before we get you out of here, um, you know, I know, 
Sean Swanson was in a horrific incident and an accident, um, I don't know, maybe a month ago, a little over a month ago, where he was hit headfirst into the boards by a player on the Ladner Pioneers, and it was a very scary incident. Um, everybody in the lacrosse family has reached out to Swanee. They've, you know, wanted to wish him the best. There's been fundraisers. There's been teams just donating money and sending their love and support for Sean Swanson. And he's on a very, very long road to recovery. Well, he's in good spirits, as Sean Swanson generally always is. If anyone of you have ever met Swanee, you will know that uh, it's not too often that he has not doesn't have a smile on his face or he's trying to pull a prank on somebody or is just having a, a laugh with somebody because that's the way Sean Swanson is. And I'm honored that he is willing to chat with us, to come on the show and just give us an update on his health, his road to recovery, and things that are still going on because, you know, since the incident, we don't we haven't really heard much. Um and so when I reached out to Swanee, he was actually at the Shamrocks game the other night, and he was just texting me while the game was going on and asking me questions and, and criticizing people and some of their decisions and being Sean Swanson as he always is. So I said, hey, man, do you want to hop on? And he's like, absolutely, would love to. Let me just, you know, make sure there's no dogs or cats barking. So, Swanee, it's been a while. Uh, I know you are in a long road to recovery. Um, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing all, all right, uh, all things considered. I'm uh, I'm I'm alive and walking, so uh, that's that's good news. So, so let, we'll talk about the incident in a minute, but let's get a quick update on on what's your status, how are you, and where are you in the process now? Um, I had surgery uh, roughly three weeks ago. Um, maybe uh, replaced some discs and uh, fused some some vertebrae together with some uh, some titanium. So I'm half robot now uh, <laughs> um, uh, and uh, so I was putting a collar for three months um, so each month I get a, a x-ray to see how the uh, vertebrae are healing and uh, pretty much that's that's where I'm at so dealing with some nerve damage down my arms and uh, and the collar on my neck but um, you know I'm up and walking a lot of people are kind of shocked when they see me because they yeah. expect me to be you know uh, vertical type thing, or uh, horizontal and I'm vertical mm-hmm. so um, I think if the collar wasn't on, most people wouldn't know there was much wrong with me other than the, the you know, when I've got the collar on, it's obviously a, shows what's wrong with me, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it was it was a pretty close bid for you actually not to be able to be vertical, wasn't it? Uh, millimeters, yeah. Millimeters, um, wow. Yeah, they, uh, they gauge, um, they basically gauge it in millimeters, and uh, um, my C1, um, which is the atlas, which is basically the top vertebrae, was broken in mm-hmm. four places. Oh, my gosh. And then uh, five and six. So C1 is basically when you end up uh, being a quadriplegic with ventilator and all that stuff. So Holy. I'm uh, most lucky as they get. Wow. Um, yeah. It's obviously tough just to go back and, and think about that night and, and go back and relive the process, but what do you remember – uh, you know, about the play and, and everything kind of in between then and now? Everything pretty much. Um, yeah. uh, the, I was against the Ladner Pioneers and uh, we were on offense and then they were transitioning to defense and it was a, I can't remember if it was an errant pass. I was the first guy coming off our bench and uh, I was back paddling, you know, on defense. I saw the ball go into the corner. 
turned, went at the ball real hard to get to pick up the loose ball. Their defensive player had run the, pretty much the length of the floor, didn't didn't let up, um, cross-checked right through my neck, and I was in that dangerous area, with, you know, yeah. two, two feet away from the boards type thing. Did, did you sense something was wrong right away? I thought it was my shoulder, to be quite honest. I was I was in the hospital telling them I'd hit the 1045 ferry, you know, for the tour of the stop. <laughs> yeah. um, my arm went numb right away. Um, I was trying to get up because I'm not the type of player that likes to be yeah. on the floor, and trainers obviously were saying don't, which I'm glad they did because that could have mm-hmm. been the difference of that millimeter at that point. Right. Um, I went to the hospital. Again, like I said, I was trying to – tell him to let's move these things along and then the doctor yeah. came in and told me how serious it was and that I wasn't wow. going to move anymore um so at that point my you know life changed uh started to get the reality of what yeah. was happening and I wasn't out of the woods yet at that point they said I, I they were still weren't positive if I'd be able to walk man it's just crazy to think you talk about that millimeter uh, and just to know how close it was but once you get that relief of saying, okay, you know what, you're going to be somewhat okay, it's going to be a long recovery, but you're not going to have paralysis, how quickly did the mood change? Uh, to be quite honest, I've, I've stayed pretty um, in good spirits about the whole thing. Obviously, yeah. you know, being lucky to um, – my biggest fear is I have two young children and, and mm-hmm. a family, you know, um, and, you know, the thought of not being able to pick them up and everything is when I get a little bit emotional. But other than that, I've, you know, I joke about it. Almost mm-hmm. from day one, I'm with friends <laughs> and stuff like that. So um, I'm not the type of person that holds grudges or gets angry no. or anything like that. But you do have, you find yourself in moments where you just kind of break down and yeah. the emotion of it. It still quite hasn't quite hit me. Absolutely. How how important has you know your wife and you t- your two young ones been for you just to keep your spirits up? Oh, it's pretty unreal. I I'm a I work from home, so I'm a, mm-hmm. essentially a stay at home dad, but I work from home. So my kids are with me all the time. Um, I was lucky enough that my wife was off on uh, holidays when the accident happened. So um, she was home for the first three weeks uh, that I was home, which, yeah. you know, without that, that would have been tough. Um, so now we're just trying to get into the day-to-day. I can't drive, can't pick my kids up, anything like wow. that. So we're trying to just figure all that stuff out as we go. Is is it going to be, you know, after this road to recovery and, and rehab and therapy and all that, do they give you hope that you will be able to, you know, eventually be able to pick up your kids and, and get back to some normalcy? Yeah. You, you know, like I'm told not to pick up my kids that I have. Yeah. You know, there's, there's right now, there's a great prognosis that, you know, I'll heal up and obviously I won't be uh, uh, wrestling or, or uh, playing anymore lacrosse, which is a tough, tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, but at three months, they'll figure it out and see where I'm at. If that, millimeters have moved at all type thing um i could see more surgery which would be a much more significant surgery where yeah. you know, halo and all that stuff but i'm i'm optimistic that that's not where i'll end up and then the um the prowl or the the numbness and tingling and the nerve damage in my arms um it's 50 50 whether it'll ever go away so if you get a halo someone you know ivo or one of those guys will probably put like a, a netting on it be like a basketball i'm sure, I'm sure it'll be something like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, you, you've had, you know, obviously the support of the lacrosse family from day one. Um, how much does that mean to you to know that, you know, everyone's been chipping in as much to help you guys, um, through this road to recovery and, and lacrosse family coming together just to, to help support you? 
Um, that's the part of, um, it's been overwhelming to me. Um, you know, the, immediately someone chipped in with one of those GoFundMe pages, mm-hmm. um, teams from out the West Coast Senior League to the WLA to Richmond Minor Lacrosse, stuff like that. We're sending, yeah. we're sending money to that. Um, the biggest one though, and the, the one that's really stuck with me is the Victoria Shamrocks. They, uh, they did a Jersey raffle and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, and, uh, you know, they're an absolute first-class organization, and uh, my family's not a huge fan of the Victoria Shamrock. It's pretty big for us, yeah. Yeah. I bought a shirt the other day, and I'll be wearing it with pride, yeah. You were uh, you were at the game the other night. Was it the first time you'd been in the lacrosse arena since? Uh, no, actually, that's not true. I, I was able to catch uh, game game two of our uh, final series final of the senior uh, B team. So Good. that was also, you know, uh, a Pretty emotional, yeah. I could walk, so a lot of people, yeah. you know, could um, breathe a sigh of relief. You know, was it was it tough going back to the rink? Uh, it's kind of tough because you just, you know, everyone gives you that like, hmm, you know, uh, everyone just sort of like nods at you. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's like you just want to be treated normally, but yeah, I understand that you know they care for you, and that's why. So um, that was tough um, walking around the. Uh, the Q Center there the other day mm-hmm. was a little tough because you could tell people are looking and they know who I am and kind of what yeah. happened and, and you know, but at the same time you know that the the community is there and they care and and had this happened outside of the game of lacrosse I don't think we'd be in such a, a good place um, yeah with all our you know things that needed taken care of. Uh, y- tell me about the summer sevens, please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was a bit of a dream we've had for a while now. Um, just looking to bring the Nanaimo group together. Um, yeah. It's not really a lot about lacrosse. It's more about uh, getting everyone together type thing. So what it was was basically uh, everyone showed up on a Friday night. We had about 50, maybe 60 guys there. Awesome. We held a, a live draft, um, <laughs> which is pretty funny, you know. Like, uh, I love the banter and go around and stuff like that. Yeah. Brad Dugan went number one, uh, which was a terrible pick. <laughs> it was a terrible pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we uh, we split up the next day, and, and uh, it was a shortened floor or shortened field, uh, yeah. softballs, no cleats. Um, the, you know, there was it was just an amazing day, and, and there wasn't a single person that came out of that with uh, not thinking it was fun. So something we'll be doing um, every year now. Yeah, is, is money going towards anything, or was just like you said, a fun thing to get guys out and play a little more? Oh, we just broke even on it. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a fundraiser or anything. It was twenty-two yeah. bucks. You got a free T-shirt, and that was it, right? So we're, it's more about uh, bringing the Nanaimo Cross community together and trying to just, you know, end the box here together. Yeah, uh, just reading some of the uh, the notes on your page. Uh, players will be drafted based on their hot dog eating abilities and beer drinking skills. <laughs> Entry fee is twenty-two dollars. No change will be given. No money, yeah. no entry into the draft. Don't be that guy. You've always had, like, ever since I've known you, uh, you've always had this, you know, fun, zest, and, you know, this outgoing personality. And it's incredible to see that you still have that, even though you're going through what you're going through. Where does that come from? I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I'm, I love my friends. I love the lacrosse community. And, uh, um, you know, whether it be at Christmas time we throw a little tournament that then or senior B or mm-hmm. this or coming down to SummerSlam and stuff like that. It's just what I live for. So um, you know, if I don't do it, no one else does. So Yeah. Yeah. Step up and do it. Yeah. 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 Um so so what's next? What what's the, the next stage? Uh are you are you seeing a doctor here on the island or, or do you have to go um, back to Vancouver? 
I am seeing my own personal doctor, and they're sending um, the updates on the x-rays and stuff. So around Halloween here, I'll make the trip over to talk to the neurosurgeon, and uh, he'll either say continue with the brace, take it off, or mm-hmm. worst-case worst scenario, we go in for worse you know, surgeries and stuff like that. Well, my friend, I hopefully uh, it doesn't come to that worst-case scenario. We're, we're all pulling for you, and we all send our love and support. I appreciate you giving us some time, and, and it's great to see your face around the rinks again. Thank you, and uh, go Shamrocks here in the final. There he is. That's Sean Swanson, uh, general manager of the Senior B Timmerman and a player GM for said Timmerman. Um, we wish him all the best on his road to recovery. It's going to be a long, long journey, but when you think of that millimeter and how different his life could be, I'm sure that he's willing to go on this long journey knowing Things are a little bit better than they could have been, or actually a lot better. And for his sake, we do hope that, you know, he continues to do the therapy, and he, which he will, and, and everything goes smoothly and on the right direction. And we don't have to see him with the halo or bedridden or vertical instead of horizontal. No, no we want to see him vertical, not horizontal. Right? Vertical, horizontal, vertical. Vertical's up, horizontal side. We want to see him vertical, not horizontal. Um, so we be- we wish Swanee the best, um, and we let him know that the entire lacrosse family is truly pulling for him. That'll about do it for another week here on OTCB. We had a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of you that have comments, questions, and concerns, so please fire them my way at Off the Crossbar on Twitter. Email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Uh, thank you to... Christian Del Bianco, MVP of the Minto Cup and Minto Cup champion. Thanks to Sean Swanson. And as always, thank you to you for stopping by and checking out another edition of the OTCB podcast. My name's Teddy Jenner. Enjoy the games. Take a friend to the game. And remember, be excellent to each other.